0: We're burning down the way we're going so we chase keep counting all the paper through the night we're burning down the way we're going so we chase keep counting
1: all the paper pay the
0: store welcome to the dream chasers podcast i'm your host Jess shuruk I'm a photographer for wellness brands, and I teach bloggers and business owners how to style and photograph content for their own brand with my brand photography course. I created this podcast to share the stories of entrepreneurs pursuing fulfillment, wellness, and spiritual enlightenment over traditional measures of success. Their stories and experiences are meant to inspire, expand your belief of what's possible, and empower you to actualize your dreams. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share it with someone who could benefit from the information and stories you're about to learn. Hello guys! So as you could tell from the title of this episode, I am talking to Marina, the owner of The Artist Advisory, and we're chatting about how to pursue a career as an artist and also how to overcome your scarcity mindset. So, Marina, in this episode, she talks about her, um, I guess, her early life when she was growing up because she is a very abundant, high-vibe person um, when I have met her this year, but she grew up in a family that really didn't have much. They grew up over in Europe, and then they immigrated to the U.S., and I think her family just really struggled with, like, getting work and, like, saving money and all that stuff, and they really wanted Marina to get a job, one of those like traditional jobs as like a doctor or a lawyer, something that would make a lot of money and that was seen as safe. So Marina had a particularly, not difficult start, but she definitely experienced um, certain setbacks that not all of us have when we're growing up. um, That makes it even that much more impressive that she's been been able to overcome these limiting beliefs that she had, um, that she kind of adopted from her family. And then she was able to go to art school and actually worked in art galleries um, and then started her business, The Artist Advisory, which is now helping artists um, with the business and networking side of the art world and helping them really just create a full time career making art. Um, So her whole business, which I find this so cool, really just proves that you don't have to be a starving artist, that this actually is a viable career. And I just found this whole talk really interesting because when I was in high school and even elementary school, I've always been into art, but I always had that belief, like, I could never do art as a career. There's no way I'd be able to support myself doing it. So I loved hearing her perspective because I was like, man, if I knew you when I was younger, maybe I would have gone down a different path because that was um, a big uh, reason why I went into fashion was I thought that was really the only way I could be creative in any sort of career. I was like, "Okay, at least there's a business in this." But our whole chat really is great if you are creative in any way and you want to, you know, be a business owner or just support yourself doing something you love because yeah, she really just breaks down a lot of yeah, she really just breaks down a lot of beliefs even I was still hanging on to. So, also I just want to give a little background. Me and Marina, we met in my mastermind that I joined from the past few months. And when we had our first call together and she started talking, I could instantly tell she was so high vibe, such a happy, carefree, down to earth person. And um, she's just so, so sweet. And there's like a bit of like a magical quality to her. And, um, in August, so we did this interview like back in June. And then in August, we went on a little girl's trip to Palm Springs before we had this retreat. So I got to spend a couple of days with her and really get to know her better. And she is just the best person. I'm like such a fan. So I'm so excited you get to know her better. And she really does live with a very abundant mindset. So that was really cool to be around someone who truly like walks and talks. They're like, mission I guess like she's not just like preaching it she actually like lives by these um ways of thinking so yeah if you I've also just so you guys know in the show notes I've added our Instagram handles and our websites so that way if you want to reach out to either of us follow us um, or go sign up on Marina's mailing list if you are an artist and are wanting more um, maybe like Uh, to work with her one-on-one or a group setting. Um, There are links down below so you can find her there. And also in this episode, we talk a bit about branding, but like particularly if you are an artist um, and like personal branding. So I thought this would be a good thing for me to include as well, but I have a free brand um, questionnaire and it's like 19 questions that kind of just help you become a lot more clear on your brand direction with like Your market and determining your niche and your services, but also figuring out um, your like tone of voice, um, your style, who are you inspired by, all that sort of stuff. So, if you want to download that resource for free, um, again, it's also linked in the show notes. It's called a free brand questionnaire. So, yeah, I feel like I'm not gonna keep rambling about what's in this episode, but yeah, let's uh, dive into this interview. So I'm here with Marina um, and I'm interviewing her today on the Dream Chasers podcast and we're going to talk about her career path um, working from galleries in New York to launching her own business. Actually tell me about your business Marina. Well dive into it.
1: (laughs) First of all Jessica I'm so excited to be here. I Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, My business that I just started a little bit under a year ago. is called the artist advisory. And so what I do is I offer honest answers to artists. And, you know, it seems kind of basic, you know, that artists would always get honest answers, but when my experience from working in the art world, it's so hard to get a direct answer, and it's so difficult for artists to really find someone that they trust, who's unbiased, to give them the right advice for whatever it is that they want.
0: I love it. And I love it because your business is very unique. Like, I literally have never heard anybody that does what you do.
1: You know, I... Thought of this because I found a need for it. Like, I I didn't know anyone who did anything like this, and I thought, Mm -hmm. why not? But really, the why not is precisely, I think, why we're here today, right? Like, people don't think that artists are capable of being a consumer. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that's because they think that artists are always struggling and starving and, you know, um, trying to make ends meet, but really, they're totally capable of being a consumer and they are, you know, with me and I'm, so I'm catering to this mm-hmm. one small group because I really believe in them.
0: That's awesome. I
1: love that. You're such a good support
0: for them. So before I want to learn more about like your business and like your whole, um, like career path in the art world. Um, I want to know a little bit more about like where you grew up
1: and, you know, moving to the U S and your journey with that. Cause you have, an interesting- Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I may not sound like I have an accent, <laughs> um, but I was born in the U.S. and English is my second language. Wow. I Yeah. I moved to the U.S. when I was seven years old from the Soviet Union, more specifically from Kiev, Ukraine, which is now it's you know, Ukraine is its own country. I moved here as a Soviet Jewish refugee. And my journey is really informs the way that I'm like no longer operating out of scarcity and lack. um, Because I operated out of scarcity and lack for so long. Um, When my family arrived here, it was my grandparents and my mom and my grandparents um, were more or less well-to-do, as well-to-do as you could be in a communist country. Mm -hmm. Um, And we sold our car, our condo, our country house, and came here with the equivalent of like $5,000 between four people. And yeah, like, can you imagine like going from like having all of this to just also all of us living in a studio apartment for like a year?
0: Yeah. So when you guys came over, you only had $5,000 and there was four of you, right? Yeah.
1: And we lived in one studio apartment in Brooklyn, New
0: York. Wow. And I always, like, I find personally, like, growing up, you really, like, adopt the beliefs and the mentality of, like, your family members, especially your parents. And you said your family was, like, they grew up from that, like, lack mentality, like, that scarcity mindset. Well,
1: yeah. You know, because they lived... my grandparents were really the ones who raised me because my Mm -hmm. mom was, um, always, she was kind of like a solo person, you know, she like, likes to be alone. So, Mm -hmm. um, my grandparents raised me and they were always hoping that they would have enough money to like buy something Mm -hmm. because money wasn't so abundant in, in, you know, it was spread out thin Yeah, from where they're from. Yeah, and also, (laughs) oh, one more thing is they lived through World War II, which is like a big deal, right? So I was living in like the lap of luxury here in Brooklyn, New York, comparatively to my grandparents who Mm -hmm. grew up in, you know, in World War II. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) What a big difference, right? Oh, yeah. Um, And so they would always like tell me, they'd be like, Marina, like, no matter. Um, what your position is at your job like do whatever your boss tells you if you have to like you know stay late and work late you should work late if you have to clean the office clean the office you know things like that and the prescribed thing for me to do was to be a doctor a lawyer and be something more practical right than yeah. working in a creative field because um, my grandmother was a professor of literature and my grandfather was an oral surgeon. So they had very like practical uh, jobs. And so when I was growing up and I was showing interest in becoming a curator because I saw so many art institutions in New York, Mm -hmm. they were like, wait a minute, like that's a really good hobby, Mm -hmm. but maybe you should go to like, you know, law school or medical school.
0: Yeah. So I'm really curious, like, I feel like a lot of people would relate to that, having that pressure from parents to get those like safe jobs, those practical jobs, the ones that they know are going to pay well are secure, as they say. But like, how did you shift from like that mindset you grew up with as a kid and the like lack mentality and thinking, you know, being creative is just a hobby and artists are always starving to then like literally getting a career at, at (laughs) like as an art director in New York, like, I feel like that's such a big jump. So I'm just curious, what was your process you went through mentally to kind of go from that? Yeah. Way?
1: One to the other. Um, <laughs> it was a very rebellious process. Let me tell you. <laughs> I like that. answer. Yes, <laughs> I want to know more about your um, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I had, I was like very rebellious in high mm-hmm. school, but I also thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to apply to this university that has like the best business school in New York. So I'm going to go to this university and what I'm going to do is I'm not going to major in business. I'm going to major in art history.
0: Ooh, I love it. Did your parents know that?
1: They found out. (laughs) What was their reaction? Um, well, they were first, they were kind of in denial thinking like, oh, well, maybe she'll double major or she'll mm-hmm. change her mind. And, you know, maybe it's okay because it's a good university anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I kind of, I, they but, but overall they were pretty supportive because they were happy that I was in college, I guess. Right. Yeah. And like, they were happy that I was living in abundance, so to speak. Compared to what they were living in, in mm-hmm. when they were my age at the time, you know, like when when they were eighteen, yep. they were um, in the middle of World War II, and when I was eighteen, I was in the middle of Manhattan. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Yeah, big it's so- difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different. So I I did this like rebellious thing, and um, I did internships, and that that was um, you know I because I had a very strong work ethic, which is very good to have, but it's also good to have boundaries with that strong work ethic. Mm -hmm. I feel like I relate to you on that. (laughs) Yeah. And so when I had all these internships, eventually like a job came up and I got this job at, um, a really, um, it's like, it was a coveted place to work because it was a small private museum here in New York City wow. that had just the, the owner of which had just acquired at the time, the most expensive painting in the world. And so, you know, I got this job after I graduated and my grandparents were thrilled. They were like, Oh my God, she has a job. Okay, wait, wait, can and, I, jump in? I have a question. Yeah.
0: Cause, cause you were in, cause you were doing your major in art history. Did you ever like doubt if you could get a job in the art field while you were in university. Never. Not like, once. definitely going to be
1: an opportunity for me. Yes. Not oh. once. And you know, the thing is, I even had professors who would tell me like, oh guys, you know, like it's really, really difficult to get a job in the arts. You mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, my desk is full of rejection letters and I'm thinking like, oh, that's encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, really I was like, how is that even possible? There's over 500 art institutions in New York City alone. Like right now, I want to say there's probably over a thousand. So in New York, Mm -hmm. just in New York. And like, think about the rest of the world. There's plenty It's mm-hmm. a multi-billion dollar industry. Like mm-hmm. I can find a job in it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it kind of seems like you're very focused on like the opportunities there, not on all the reasons why
1: it wouldn't work out.
0: You exactly. were just like, I just see opportunity yes. <laughs> and yes. that's what you're focused yes,
1: on. Yes. You're I like, would yes, see yeah. so much opportunity mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because also, uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but growing up in in a very scarce environment or like coming from the scarce environment in the Soviet Union there wasn't that opportunity we had like two museums in Kiev you know like now there's a lot more and there's art galleries and it's like a whole yeah a part of the bigger art world um but back then Mm -hmm. it was like a dusty place it's crazy because like I think even hearing like how you went
0: from like two museums where you grew up to like 500 to 1000 in New York, you're probably just like, there
1: are opportunities everywhere. There's no way that there's no way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so with this mentality, I got a job right away Mm -hmm. and I instantly thought, okay, but I want more out of this job. So I went into a graduate program in art history, like immediately. Ooh. Okay.
0: So how was the graduate program then?
1: Um, Well, it was wonderful, Um, and I learned a lot, um, but it also was a great way for me to make connections and also get, like, work up to a different type of job. So Mm -hmm. then I started working in art galleries. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was in graduate school, I had a lot more to gain from working in an art gallery, There were, I could do more. There was less of, um, office politic kind of thing, or like there's less of, um, division of labor. I kind of got to do everything in an art gallery from like installing to writing about the work to talking to the artist, to doing studio visits, to selling, um, to talking to the media, uh, this was like such a great way for me to learn. So like the biggest part of my learning experience came from working in art galleries and not so much graduate school. I learned how to write for real in graduate school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I learned um, a lot more about certain periods in art history that I was very interested in. Yeah. But the bulk of my experience came from hands-on work.
0: Yeah, no, I've heard that so many times. And even from personal experience, you learn so much more from experience, actually working jobs than like schooling necessarily. But I'm also curious, how did you get your first like gallery job? Like, was there like a connection? Did you know someone? Did you just apply to like a million places? Like, I want to know how you got that, like landed that first gig.
1: Maybe I could tell you about like the biggest yeah. exciting okay. one, most yeah. excited one for me. Okay. because me. I you had <laughs> three big jobs in the art world. The, the one job was um, that I really enjoyed. It was where I made a big leap from being like gallery assistant to mm-hmm. assistant director. And I got that job in a matter of literally 24 hours, because my friend from college was working at this gallery. And mm-hmm. Uh, said, hey, Marina, um, can you come in for like an impromptu interview right now? Because we need an assistant director at our second location and we need them like right now. So um, do you have time to come in during lunch? So I came in to an interview during lunch. Mm -hmm. After work, I went and I met with another owner. Mm -hmm. Um, Before work the next day, I met with another person. And by lunch the next day, I had the job. And it was like my first big gallery job. And it was through someone I knew. Wow. That's so exciting. Happens so fast, huh? Instant. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if... uh, The other thing is, can I just say, like, you don't know who you should be nice to. Like, be nice to everyone that you want to be nice to. Don't be transactional because the person that got me the job, Mm -hmm. she was, I mean, now she's like a really big deal in the art world, but Mm -hmm. when we were in college, I feel like she didn't have a lot of people that she connected to, but I always like connected to everyone. You were just (laughs) like really nice to her. I'm just really, yeah. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to call Marina first, you know? And so nice to hear. And like, I can tell you're such a sweet soul. So that's just like Totally pays off, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you just it. never know. And, you know, because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to be nice to that person. They're not going to give me anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we're kind of living in this era where there are so many like very like shallow transactional things happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like that was a big reminder from the universe to just be yourself and just be nice to people who make you feel good.
0: Mm hmm. I love this. This is like a reminder. Everyone always needs to hear. Like, I just love it. It's such a positive, like, m- like way to go about life. Like, oh my God.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I like to say, and I think I want to say like Oprah said this, I'm obsessed yes. with Oprah. <laughs> Oprah, If you're listening, can I be on your um, super soul session? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So uh, <laughs> How sweet would that, be? <laughs> that be? Great. Actually, we'll both be on your show, Oprah. It's great. It's, yeah. So um anyway I heard her say this and it's really resonated with me. There are millions of people in the world. Millions, right? Billions. And the thing is if you don't vibe with someone, you don't have to try and hang out with them just because you think you should. You should only hang out with people who make you feel good and you know, people who get you. And that's just kind of how I wrote. I loved it so much. <laughs> it's so
0: funny. Cause like when we even first like met because we, we met in our mastermind, it yeah. was like, as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh my God, she's so positive. She's so uplifting. I was like right away. So drawn to your energy. I feel like that's like the first thing I said when we were talking on messenger, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I was
0: like I could just instantly tell. And I was like, Yes, she's my people.
1: <laughs> uh, like, I
0: want yeah. to her and talk more. Yeah, you're my people too. Look Aww. at you. Um, <laughs> so sweet. Um, so, okay, I want to hear a little bit more about what that dream, like, that job was like, you know? Yeah. Like, you got that really cool. Like, what did you do day to day? Because I feel so many people would be like, oh, my God, that sounds like the dream job. So I'm curious yeah. what your perspective is on it.
1: So mm-hmm. it was kind of – I'm I have this, like, thing where – it's like a constant theme in my life. And the constant mm-hmm. theme is that I'm always thrown into the deep end instantly. And it's just something I have to come to accept. And it's just the way that mm-hmm. things happen for me. You know, maybe I chose this before I got here. Like maybe that was the challenge I wanted. Um, One of the, you know, one example is, I never went to first grade. I went straight second grade because of the school system and the age and everything when I came here. And another big way that I was thrown into the deep end was with this job. I had all of a sudden started working at a place without with only two days of training, Mm -hmm. um, that doubled overnight. So what happened was we, I joined, um, this gallery as associate director Mm -hmm. and we had like, um, we were moving out of a space that was maybe 2000 square feet into a space that was like 6,000 square feet. (laughs) All right you know, I guess maybe more than doubled. I don't know. I, there was a lot of, there's a lot of like kitchen area. Like it was an all exhibition space. Yeah.
0: So, um, (laughs) so what did you have to do then
1: for that trans Like that move? get, like, a lot more art in the gallery, I'm assuming? Well, first of all, like, um, (laughs) on top of, like, moving everything and organizing everything, Mm -hmm. I had to get to know, we had a big, giant group exhibition with all of the artists that we represented. There were probably 30 artists that I had to know their work within two weeks. Like, I had to be ready to sell their work within two weeks. Oh, my gosh. And do this move. And learn like all the administrative, um, uh, you know, interconnections within the gallery. So like Mm -hmm. just the way they did everything there. So, um, all this, and I did not have an assistant, so Mm -hmm. it, it was just bonkers. It was so, and, also, that was just the first two weeks. And then within the first year, I got an assistant. I, you know, I started adding to exhibition catalogs in this gallery. So I started writing I, and my job kept like magnifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kept doing more at this job. I did everything from studio visits with artists to, you know, pick stuff for the gallery to selling work to um, choosing which artists will go into the space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually, this is the job where I worked up to director and it was like a really, really big deal. Um, It was really interesting because this gallery had two partners. So one of the partners was very hands off and the other one was very hands on and it was also really you know on top of managing the artists i also had to um kind of work between what they both wanted mm-hmm. so that was really difficult for me but i made it work um mm-hmm. because ultimately you know you have to make two of these people happy who might have different opinions about things so that was a challenge. Um, and you know, it it was just so cool meeting these artists. I would travel to exhibition openings and museums abroad, like in Spain or something. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Such a dream job. Yeah. And it was for a long time. And then I decided it was just too intense. Like it was getting intense because, um, all of a sudden, like one of the partners was going through a divorce and he just had so much of his personal life intertwined in the gallery yeah. and his personal life was so toxic to us at the time mm-hmm. that we just couldn't, like, it was just not a good place. Like I would come into work every day and be like, is he going to have a mental breakdown and fire us? Like all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's stressful. Yeah, it was very stressful. And so I started really like for a while there, I was blossoming. And then when this toxicity came, I felt a lot of fear and I felt a lot of lack and just, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I started noticing things. I started noticing how, um, you know, we only really catered to the collectors, which is great. And they're wonderful. But artists are really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, this is interesting. Like I'm the only one who's like really talking to these artists, even the artists that we're not representing that just like coming off the street. Mm-hmm. And You know, one thing I just, you know, as a disclaimer, it was a wonderful gallery and it did well. And uh, one of the partners has been a gallerist since the 1970s in New York. And he is one of these original art dealers that, like, really cares about his artists, who, you know, takes them to dinner, who, like, really cares right and so it's not that the gallery didn't care it's the art world was shaped in a way where the collector was always coming first and then we cared about the big decision makers we cared about the curators the directors of the other museums of the other galleries and I thought you know this is like too much like I need a break also at this time I had not finished my master's thesis
0: Mm ah So you were like, I need to do this too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to check out for a minute. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I checked did you, out. Did
0: you like quit? So you mean by yes, checked out? I quit. Yeah. You were like, yes. I quit. Yeah. I quit.
1: And I was like, this is, I got to out. So anyway, I finished my master's thesis and I, while I was doing that, I was moonlighting as a costume designer for TV and film. Another dream job, right?
0: Yes. You've had so many jobs. I'm like so into it.
1: (laughs) And can I tell you how I got this job? I literally, I came into, like, I went to a gallery opening. I ran into a friend who's a stylist and I thought, you know, everyone, I said to her, I was like, you know, everyone says I should be a stylist because like I look like one and (laughs) or like asks me if I'm a stylist. Can I like help you out on set one day? And she's like, yeah, totally. Like come in, you know, it's unpaid, but whatever. So I helped her out one day. Then she started hiring me. Then somebody else started hiring me. Then, you know, a month later, I was like on set at a commercial assisting a costume designer. And then maybe seven months later, I started doing my own thing.
0: Wow.
1: And so this was such them. a good palette cleanser for me. Yeah. And it showed me the importance of branding in this world, right? And so this is something you would never learn um, on you know if you were stuck in the art world really, like not like this, where I now can tell how to brand an artist. I like know how they can do how they can present themselves online. Mm -hmm. So that people get it right away. And -hmm. they have a direct line of communication to collectors, to curators, to everyone. And so I can just, you know, Mm -hmm. I I instantly see it. And it's because my brain has been working in the commercial world where I'm like, Mm -hmm. how do I dress this person so that they can sell this, you know, this soap or this Mm -hmm. um, investment opportunity or um, I don't know, this peanut butter (laughs) um so would you say you like branded yourself is that kind
0: of how you went from like working in a gallery to like working as like a costume design like stylist I guess
1: I didn't even realize I was branded but I always wore like the same big round glasses and I always had a bob and that was that's like my personal brand as the kids say these days um and that somehow translated to me being stylish and getting like the costume design job and then i had an aha moment when i started this business okay and yep i thought oh my god all these artists always want me to like give them advice about something they and they they don't want to take up my time cuz a lot of the stuff is like um it, 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 they feel like they're like asking too much sometimes they're like oh my gosh well marina like i have a studio visit coming up with this director and like what should i price my paintings at? or like mm-hmm. how do i oh my gosh like i got asked to send images like which images do i send these are just questions that they just have and i thought wait a minute i'm always responding right away they're always having successful interactions after this mm-hmm I'm going to do this. I'm going to set up the first ever advisory for artists.
0: I love it.
1: Because, you know, they're art advisors and art advisors cater to collectors. They tell Mm -hmm. collectors what to collect. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the other side of the equation as an artist advisor, telling the artists what they need to hear.
0: I love it. You're kind of like, wrapping up all of your experience into one amazing service and saw a market that needed
1: your expertise. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because I thought, Oh my God, like I really screwed up in this, like, um, by leaving this job and like, maybe I should have stuck it through or like I should have, um, you know, maybe I should have like worked harder or like maybe I shouldn't have done costume design. Maybe I should have really tried to find a job in the art world. Maybe I should have finished my thesis earlier. Like I always kept thinking to myself, like maybe I screwed up, but really like I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. all those events led to me being here and I've already helped so many people so many artists and it's the most rewarding feeling
0: it is honestly I relate to that the feeling of like helping someone and actually serving them and like helping improve their life in their business is like the best reward as a business owner is oh for, like, my gosh you help someone
1: I mean the moment like I hear from someone that they got into a life-changing residency because mm-hmm. I helped them yeah. with the application mm-hmm. or I even told them about it yeah like how rewarding is that yeah. Or like, I literally, I was like, I was kind of scheming and a lot of things I do, you know, of course they're in confidence, but like, I was like scheming with this artist and I'm like, how do we get this dealer to see your work? Anyway, mm-hmm. we got the dealer to see their work mm-hmm. and you know, their work is now tomorrow opening in a big group exhibition, like wow. at that space. Wow. And it, like those kinds of things, I'm just like, wow, I'm like, like- this little like... You know, I'm helping these people live their dreams.
0: You, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, like, you're literally helping people who've always wanted to make a living from their art and pursue it as, like, their full-time thing. Like, make it a reality. Yeah. And That's it's so such empowering. a
1: reality. And this is such an, you know, like, the bottom line here is that um, for the longest time, I had all this fear about that I was, I had all this scarcity and lack, mm-hmm. um, mindset, like, okay, so we'll make the money, but you might lose it like your parents did, or like Mm -hmm. you will get the job, but you might lose it because, you know, nothing's guaranteed. So you have to do everything possible to keep that job. And so, you know, the moment I left a job and I was like, wait a minute, it's not making me happy. I got to leave. I ended up making money anyway, Mm -hmm. but, you know, in the end, like now I'm my own boss. I'm, My uh, like I my life consists of sometimes like one day I'll just like wake up, um, you know, walk my dog, Mm -hmm. have a coffee, then, you know, breakfast or whatever. Then I go have a meeting with an artist at like a private club that has a pool here in New York so and and fun yeah and you know we have a session and like i changed their life obviously through just one session um like no big deal no big deal i mean maybe it takes a few sessions to change their life but i i do and then you know here i am like you know on top of this like skyscraper with a pool. (laughs) I only answer to my clients and my clients only answer to themselves. So the big realization was instead of constantly thinking about preparing for the worst and being, you know, what if like, what if the worst happens? Yeah. It's okay to balance that and think about the best that can happen. Like what is the best that Mm -hmm. can happen? Are you prepared for it? Like, you know, are you prepared when, you know, like Oprah calls you for a meeting. Are you going to be prepared? That's basically it. Okay. I'm just going to quickly interrupt this
0: episode to share something special with you. Are you a health and wellness business or blogger that wants to grow your impact and or your income? Now we all know it's so important that people in the health and wellness industry build a brand. I know you have an important message to share. I know your products and your services are going to change so many people's lives. But first, you need to get in front of your ideal customer and start attracting them to your brand. Now, the way to do that is with beautiful brand visuals. Those are going to be the first thing that your audience notices and is going to fall in love with you for. And I know you have an area of expertise that's most likely not branding and not photography. And I know even from when I was starting in my photography journey, it can be a struggle to really take nice photos. It's so hard to get the perfect angle, get good lighting, use the right settings, um, even just figuring out posing and product styling and all that. And even after tons of time and effort it can still turn out kind of crappy. So I don't want you to waste your precious time. And I know not everyone has, you know, extra money that they can invest in hiring a professional photographer. So I have another solution for you. And I have a course that teaches you guys how to style and capture your own brand photos. So I've been a brand photographer for over three years, and I broke down my complete creative direction and photography process into nine different steps. So in this course, I go over a lot. Just a few of the things that I teach is, of course, how to take high quality and beautiful photos and which settings to use during which lighting conditions and all that. How to style products to look appealing and to really just like communicate a story and not just be placed randomly in a photo. I also teach how to discover what makes your brand really unique and how you can translate that through photos. So you really just stand out online and people start recognizing your brand. You don't just blend in with a sea of everyone else that's in the health and wellness industry. I also, in this course, teach you how to edit your photos because editing really takes an average photo to an amazing photo. Um, it's just one of the most magical transformations you can do. And everybody also wants that beautiful, cohesive Instagram feed because that's what is going to make people hit the follow button when they find you online. Now, we all know photos are used everywhere for building your brand, not just Instagram, but any social media, they're used when you're you know, putting out content on your email list, they're used on your website, for Facebook ads, for print materials, for press releases, there's so many places where you need photos, and you don't want to use crappy, low-quality photos, you want to make sure they're very professional looking, because that's going to communicate that you take your brand seriously, and you offer a professional product or service. And I know if you're in the health and wellness industry, you are probably wanting to work with brands that really resonate with your message and maybe get some sponsored campaigns going. And believe me, brands want to collaborate with you, but they really want you to be able to capture nice, high-quality photos of their product. So this is also just a really great skill if that is another stream of income you're wanting to add into your current business model. So if this is something you want to learn, you can see how it would benefit growing your health and wellness business and blog, you can visit my website, shirokstudios.com backslash education, and I have a promo code for podcast listeners. You will receive $100 off the course with the code DREAMCHASERS. So yeah, go visit the website, register for the course, and start creating the brand of your dreams. All right. Let's get back into this episode. So I am curious, like what, what is it that you exactly do like service wise for your clients, um, through like your business? Like what are the different areas you help them in, especially mm-hmm. for people who are interested and are like,
1: I need a Marina in my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, What I do is I help artists with the practical and the Mm -hmm. conceptual, right? Mm -hmm. So um, normally I work with them um, one-on-one. And when we do that, the first thing we do is we figure out what their intention is as an artist, because that will help me eliminate any blocks they're putting on themselves. And also I identify any self-imposed limitations they may have. From there, when we figure out what those things are, we plan we really see what their goals are, and their goals could be, you know, to be in a gallery, or to sell work on their own, or to get into a residency, or to have a museum exhibition somewhere. And we come up with a plan of action for that. Mm-hmm. And what goes in between, you know, this intention, uh, realization, and uh, realization of any self-imposed limitations they may have, and the goal is everything I do in between that is very tangible and practical. Mm -hmm. So here I help them um, brand themselves online. So I make sure that their website, their Instagram, their other social media platforms Mm -hmm. are in line with their artistic intention. And it's very clear to see what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I obviously make sure they look professional online and the best way that they can. Yep. I also help them with grant applications, residency applications. I tell them which ones to do and, you know, to apply to. And I also help them with um, being present at the right place at the right time, right? So sometimes I tell artists to go to certain events or parties. Uh, or do certain things or like you know if somebody wants to meet collectors where do they go right Mm -hmm. if they don't want to work with a gallery but they want to sell artwork on their own so I tell them where to go or if somebody Mm -hmm. wants to be um, showing at a certain museum how do they meet those curators so I tell Mm -hmm. them how they how to do that and And so much insider information I love it (laughs) like you know it's like it's so obvious to me. I'm like, how do these people, how did, how do art schools not teach you this? Which brings me to the next thing. So Mm -hmm. on top of doing these one-on-one sessions, I also um, am working to provide something called the Artist Academy. So it's like a three-month long intensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll start, um, maybe fresh without anything kind of like you might not be an artist, you might be working to become an artist, like or to appear as one professionally or, you know, to make that your full time thing. And from there, we'll set you up through this whole process. And you'd like have your website and your brand and your Instagram and everything and your plan of action and your dreams ready to go. So that's another thing I do.
0: That sounds incredible, too. That's another way for people to work with you if they don't work with you one-on-one is through the academy. That's so cool. Okay, I have a question because you were saying how you help people with like overcoming their self-imposed limitations. Like how do you know what someone's limitations are? Is it like, is it obvious? Do they speak it? Or like, are you very intuitive and can kind of tell where their blocks are? I'm a bit curious how you work through through that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm very, I want to say I'm very intuitive, but it's also because I'm so in tune when I listen, right? So when people tell me their journey as uh, their artistic journey, like how they decided to become an artist or what their journey has looked like so far, they're going to tell me certain things like, oh, you know, my one teacher told me that I wasn't so good at um, drawing apples. So I'm an abstract painter now, but I really love drawing apples. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, that's a very like obvious thing, right? But that's one way to pick out their self-imposed limitation. Like that's Mm -hmm. where one might've come from because anything you heard that you can't do, like anything you think you can't do, it's not because you told yourself you can't do it. It's because someone else did.
0: (laughs) I, oh my God, that was crazy. It was like, so I'm like the same wavelength there. Okay. Can I say something to you? That's like, like, I didn't even expect this to come up, but when you were saying the self imposed limitations, I'm not going to lie. I I know what some of mine are, but you totally like said one. And I was like, that
1: is me. Ah! Oh my God. I, oh my God. Wait, hold on. It, and it literally
0: lit up in my head and I was like, holy crap. How does she like know me? And I was like, I don't even know if she like meant to say that, but.
1: No, I don't happened.
0: know. I don't know. I'm sorry. It, really know. Know. it was good though. Cause I was like, I almost didn't realize it was one of mine. What and is it? Like what is it? Podcast, you said something about how your parents might've like earned a bunch of money and then lost it all.
1: Yeah. It literally
0: happened to my parents. They lost oh my God. Investment. And like my dad used to have a business, and then he like yeah. sold the business. And yeah. I don't think I realized that was totally something that like is like in the back of my mind.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, and like that is. A so... bunch of phases
0: where I'll save a bunch of money too, and,
1: and then you're like, like, "What am I going to spend, spend this on?" on.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then not because... be able to like keep it, and then I'm like worried where it's going to come again, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's
1: crazy, right?" I totally. Am, like, hearing you say that, I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> Boom. Um, I mean, but also, like, to be fair, I um, read um, Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass at Making Money. Have you read this book? I actually, I listened to the audiobook, but I listened yeah. to it a couple years ago. Good book. Um, but yeah. What did you get from it? Tell me. <laughs> this realization. <laughs> what? what? The, losing? That, that the losing money. So, like, that um, my parents had, you know, unfortunate events where they've lost all their, you know, all their savings yeah Um, we've had to save again and then Mm -hmm. you know, and then this keeps happening and I keep thinking like the same thing as you like what's the point of saving because I'm gonna lose it all anyway right Mm -hmm. um but that's not an affirmation (laughs) that's a limitation Um, Mm -hmm. not an affirmation a limitation (laughs) I love Um,
0: all this like mindset talk by the way So like, okay, how did you change how you thought about it? I want to know what you did. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm still
1: working on it. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing a good job of it. So (laughs) I'm a lot of it had to do with surrounding myself with people who are not thinking that way. And one of those people happens to be very, very close to me. It is my husband. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. So, you know, he, um, he doesn't have that same relationship with money. For him, he does not spend money unless he wants to, because he grew up in, or like, unless he needs to. And he grew up in such abundance that he's like, totally okay wearing the same pair of jeans for like two years. Because mm-hmm. he's, wor- he's not even thinking about things at this point. He's, like, thinking about experiences. He's thinking about mm-hmm. other things, you know, like, experiences, not things, right? And mm-hmm. so now I'm starting to shift my mind into thinking about experiences and not things. Because oh, things, you know, that's where you could, like, spend a lot of money on a thing. And then you have the thing, but not the money. And then, ah. Uh, Right. So, mm-hmm. but also allowing it to sit and attract more money is Ooh. right. You want to allow I it need to like spend. write that down. That was a yeah. good point. This
0: is like insane advice. Honestly, this is really good advice. Yeah. I've never Give had that. these, like I've done a lot of mindset work and like tons of just research on this sort of stuff and like coaches, all that stuff. But
1: this advice is good. I've never heard this before. Right. Oh, awesome. Really good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it really like was a big part of um, everything that I did and the, thinking that I wouldn't have any money, That that's the given. Right. And that's another reason why I didn't have boundaries at work. Cause I would be like, Oh my God, I'm not going to have a job and I'm not gonna, you know, like, what if I, don't do this. And then I get fired and then I don't have any money and then I'm going to be homeless. Right? Like that is what I kept thinking the whole time. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything. I'm being so overworked Mm -hmm. that this is just like eating away at my soul. Like, is this Mm -hmm. why I'm here? And you know, I worked back from that. I thought, you know what? I want boundaries. This is what I want. Yeah. Okay, to have it not everybody like look at all these people who have houses you know like look around at all these people that are living inside places you could be one of them mhm same mentality is look at all these people who are working in all these art institutions you can be one of them look at all these people who are successful artists that are living off of their art which by the way let me tell you it's not just the big names there are so many artists who Mm -hmm. art is their only job Mm -hmm. but we don't know their names they're you know thousands of artists, Mm -hmm. probably tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands who are living off their work. Mm -hmm. They're just not as famous as like Jeff Koons or Andy Warhol. Yeah. Or, you know, Peter Max or whatever. I think that's a big thing for people to realize is
0: you don't need to be like famous, like big, like top artists in the world. You can literally just make amazing art and love your life and sell it and make your full time living from it. Like it's totally doable. Like totally need to be more or have a larger audience or you know yeah I think I think that is like a dream for a lot of people is just to make that like do something you love every day really
1: yeah I it's like it if somebody fun. else can do it like if somebody else can save a whole bunch of money mm-hmm. and you know retire at the age of 50 mm-hmm. <laughs> why can't you yeah. You know, why what separates you from them? Mm-hmm. I have another question actually made me think of this, but uh
0: what is you think like the most common block among artists, like for why they can't achieve their like dream of being a full-time artist? Like what do you notice is a recurring thing?
1: What a fantastic question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's such a good question. This came to me. <laughs> yes. Okay. Number one thing. Mm-hmm. Intention, right? Like mm-hmm. people are where they're the biggest block to them is I don't know what to make, and I'm afraid if I make it, I won't like it. Mm-hmm. And the only this is the biggest block, and that block is not knowing your intention. Because if you know your intention as an artist, your true intention without any self imposed limitations, you're gonna know what it is you want to make, why you're making it and you're going to go and make it. So Mm -hmm. that kind of disguises itself as procrastination, but it goes deeper than that, you know? And it's really like, if you know your intention as an artist Mm -hmm. is to make people feel good
0: Mm -hmm.
1: by, you know, creating installations that make them feel like they're in heaven, Mm -hmm. then you know what you're making, right? You're going to keep, you're going to keep making it. Um, and you know, that's, or like if you know that your intention is to capture like the flaws and beautiful objects in in realistic paintings,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right. Then you know Mm -hmm. what to look for and you know, to, to make that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if you're not sure what your intention is, you're gonna be like, oh, that's a pretty flower. I guess I could paint it, or oh, that's a cool sound. Like maybe I'll make a sound installation using the sound, but I don't know. Maybe I won't like it. You know, you know what it seems like is also
0: not following like what's trending or what they think will make them money, but just literally following their heart and like their passion. Like what interests you. Like what do you want to actually paint? Stop thinking about how you're gonna make money from it or who's gonna buy it. Just do it because.
1: Yeah. Because if you really think about it, I mean, everything is kind of trending, right? Like anything can be trending and you in any, like you just need to find the right demographic for you and then you're trending. (laughs) So
0: true. Um, I'm curious about like your experience as a business owner, like what has been like, I know you were saying like what you, like how you love, like transforming someone's life. Like what if, have you had any like struggles or like what's been like a hard part about being like your own boss really?
1: Um, uh, oh, so <laughs> I mean there, there are struggles, but like, I'm so grateful for these struggles. Yeah. Like thank right. God I got them. But yeah. Like, yeah. Yay. Yay mm-hmm. for struggles. Um, I guess one of the most difficult things is telling yourself that it's okay to stop working, Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's you're
0: really like to me on this podcast. I feel
1: like all the advice you're giving is literally to me. <laughs> I think it's our conversation, right? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> no, like seriously, yeah. Jessica, like <laughs> it's okay to mm-hmm. take the time to stop working because mm-hmm. the reason that like you're a business owner and you feel like you need to work all the time is because you know what your next step is. So you want to keep mm-hmm. stepping. But Mm -hmm. sometimes in order to have the, the energy to keep going, you need to rest on a landing and those landings are weekends and you got to rest on (laughs) them. I, this advice is so
0: good. I needed to hear that too. Oh my God. (laughs) I have a problem. I like always am like working a ton and it's like you said, you always know the next step. And it's like that drive within you where you're like just always wanting more and to grow and to expand and to like just challenge yourself, but grow in every area, right? Like meet new people, make better work, like earn more, whatever, expand your reach, but It is like, oh, needs such a balance because I just want to enjoy life too. Like I don't want to be stressed and, you know, working more than when I was working a full time. And also
1: like, you know, when you're stressed and you're fighting to keep your head above water, you're not a hundred percent when it comes to your clients, right? You're not 100% Mm -hmm. when it comes to your practice. And then like, what does that mean? Like, are you just compromising what your output is because Mm. you feel like you, it's, it's counterintuitive. Like Mm -hmm. you should relax so that it's quality. Yeah. Not quantity work. Right. I love it. That is really good advice. And,
0: um, I'm curious, like, I know your life, your life sounds amazing because you're in New York already and like all the work you do with clients, but like, where do you like see yourself going in the next like few years? What is your like dream life look like that you're kind of like crafting?
1: I, um, I went to do the sound bath. Um, (laughs) On Sunday, like uh, over this weekend, I went to do a sound bath here in New York and um, we were meditating on abundance and the abundance that we were meditating on wasn't just money, right? There are Mm -hmm. several aspects to abundance. It's Mm -hmm. your money, it's your career, it's your uh, health, it's your friends and family, Mm -hmm. it's your romance, it's your spirituality, it's -hmm. your home and you know, there's so much more to it than, than just money. Right. And so I was meditating on this and I had this vision of where I want to be. Yeah. I mean, I always knew like, I, I totally want to have like this business going in five years still. I want to have more employees. I want to have, um, a Ted talk. (gasps) Yes. But what's really important is like the interaction you have with other people, right? So like you want to make those relationships really important. And I thought, okay, you know what I really want is one of these like country chateaus in France, Ooh,
0: okay. <laughs> which
1: um, costs less than a New York City apartment, by the way. <laughs> And and so what I want is a country chateau in France where I go and spend like maybe um, the summers there and I, you know, like I bring my husband and my dog and meet up with my family that lives in France and, you know, we bring our niece and nephew there to, you know, just like have a family moment in the chateau. Like this is what I want. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I would have never like... I would have never thought it possible, but then I I realized, wait a minute, these things are so inexpensive Mm -hmm. compared to a New York city apartment and it's totally doable. I want to do that, but also invite artists there that I work with Mm -hmm. to have like a very, um, calm retreat and to reset like that That would be so cool. It sounds dreamy and like yeah magical. Yeah. Dreamy <laughs> and magical. Well you asked me what my dreams were, right? Right. So. Oh, no <laughs> it sounds dreamy and magical. So lovely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, as my husband likes to I when I told my husband this, he goes, Oh, you know, it's like, I'll have a country house, but only if it's in a different country. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so know. He's does that he's, mean he's like down for France or something, then I, I, I guess so. I don't, That's I don't know. That's his way of saying come on board. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, he doesn't. He likes to um, stay in New York and work, uh, mm-hmm. as he says, but he's also. I guess that was like a joke on Ari or Ari or blah, um, because he's also a comedian. Uh, <laughs> so he was like, I'm going to make a joke out of this. So that was a <laughs> joke. Um, but thank, thanks Jessica. <laughs> no, it sounds, I feel like I have
0: a totally dream of something similar, but I'm not going to get into that. Cause Oh, but yeah, no, like, I think you're so right when you touched on, like, there's so much more to abundance than just abundance yeah. of like wealth. Cause I've actually just started shifting. Okay. So basically when I'm trying to feel more abundant, sometimes looking at my bank account doesn't make me feel very abundant, you know, if you're like, oh crap. But what makes me feel abundant is when I'm like literally listing off things I'm really grateful for. And I'm like, I've done all these trips and I have so many friends that I can like call up or like an abundance of like, literally sometimes I think about there's so many restaurants in my area and in Toronto that there, I could have any type of food I want right now. Like what an abundance of choice, you know, or yeah. knowledge. There's so much knowledge on yeah. that. So I almost tap into what else is abundant in my life right now? And just like feel that like an abundance of like, yeah, like love, knowledge, choice, freedom, Te-
1: technology,
0: technology. Yeah. And then I think when you start like feeling that way, about other things, that's
1: when it'll translate into other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all a balance, you know? And mm-hmm. also you just realize like, I-, I always thought like, Oh, I need to have more in my money and career sector. Mm-hmm. Um, but really I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute, I need to have more in my like spirituality sector. Yeah. And so like, maybe once I have, you know, it, it's just like a balance.
0: Yeah. It's like, you can't you know? put too much on one area. Everything needs
1: yes time and attention. Mm-hmm. And it, cause it all makes you happy. And it's the, so and weird. the, the other, I forgot a piece of the abundance pie was mm-hmm. fun. <gasps> yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to have more fun. I'm
0: always thinking that I'm like, I just want to have fun like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I also am wondering, um, cause you're kind of describing like where you see this, like your dream progressing, like how are you currently right now in your day-to-day life already living like that dream life?
1: I mean, dream life. it's all, I, I mean, whoa, like I get to, <laughs> First of all, I, I know I just said my husband's a comedian, but his day job is a night job. He's a DJ, right? So when I had, oh God, yes, so <laughs> and he's been doing it for 20 years and he travels all over the world. Like he's been to like the Maldives to, you know, play a, a set or whatever, you yeah, like that's his life. But, um, when, Uh, one thing that I'm already doing is I'm spending time with my family, right? Like I Mm -hmm. already have my own schedule so I can wake up a little bit later and see him because I stay up a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, having a dog was a big part of my dream that I had. And I have a dog, It's It's a very cute little dog. Mm -hmm. It's on Instagram. You can follow it. It's Odette (laughs) the Palm. Odette like the white swan from Swan Lake and she dances. Okay. So, um, and let's see. So having that and the freedom to relax, right? Mm -hmm. Like already having the freedom to go and like hang out by the pool on a roof or like Mm -hmm. having the freedom to basically like if I wanted to travel somewhere, I could, mm-hmm. where I don't have to ask anyone for permission. It's true. Yeah. And it, that sort of freedom is really important. Um, so that's how I'm, wait, is that the question? Did I answer that? It, you, you were answering it very well. You're Cause it was <laughs> like, how are you already living
0: your dream like life? And yeah, yeah. I feel like you are like, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds and you like, know, and fulfilled.
1: yeah. And the other thing is like, I know that my intention, and this is a lot of people's intention too, luckily, but my intention is to help people, right? And with what I know, and I'm also really good at bridging, um, bridging worlds, right? Like I'm very Mm -hmm. good with bridging like the, um, the fancy with the commonplace. And so I help people not be scared of either. Mm -hmm. I love that too. That's, that's a very... Mm. um big manifestation of my dream. Oh, I really I
0: mean, like that. So, yeah. um I just have a couple other questions, but one of my last ones is um if you could give like someone who's wanting to be an artist and like wanting to start their career, what is one piece of advice you could give them right now that you think would be most key? Oh my gosh,
1: just do it. Just do it. It's okay. I love it. Um <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, Most important thing is that you aren't afraid to do what you're doing, right? Like when you're afraid to do anything, like if you're a heart surgeon and you go in there and you're afraid to do heart surgery, yeah, that's a bad thing. So, Mm -hmm. do you think that guy is going in there being afraid? He -hmm. doesn't know what's going to happen. Sure, he's trained to do it a certain way, just like you'd be trained to make a work of art a certain way, or you know, like okay, well, the brush goes in there, and then it touches the canvas, and then it makes an art, right? Like, let's just very crudely put it, just like the surgeon knows, okay, well, like the scalpel goes here, and then I do this to the thing, and this is supposed to happen well, mm-hmm. but what the surgeon doesn't know is if anything else is going to come up, and they're trained for years and years and years to come up with some, to, to make sure they can handle a surprise. Mm-hmm. So the only way that you can handle being an artist is if you keep practicing and you keep doing it. So mm-hmm. just keep hitting, you know, keep, you know, like hitting the canvas with the brush, right? Keep yeah. painting, keep making art, whatever it is, a photo doing photography, whatever it is that you're doing, because with that experience, you're going to get better and better and better, and you're going to be able to, um, you're you're going to be able to handle any surprises when it comes to making the work. That's so true. making the work is the number one aspect of being the art, uh, an artist, and it's a big leap mm-hmm. from from being hesitant to make the work to making the work. And once you've made that leap, you're, you sh- I, I don't think you will have a problem keeping going.
0: Yeah, then they become
1: unstoppable.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I love that as the last question. Um, but I do want to know, like where can people follow you on social media and learn more about the artist's um, advisory?
1: Yeah, so um, my Instagram is at the Artist Advisory, but with underscores, mm-hmm. so it's um at the underscore Artist underscore advisory mm-hmm. there someone else who's the artist advisor and then one post from like 2010 (laughs) and they just you know uh, sorry don't follow them they have one post okay Mm -hmm. so um and then you can also go to my website to sign up to my mailing list and get advice in your inbox um and you know even if you're not an artist I guess I'm okay giving advice too Uh, (laughs) but you are an artist I guess I am a
0: little bit, but I mean, I feel like any creative entrepreneur would love this advice. It's very <laughs> applicable, not just to artists, but to, yeah, so many fields. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, you would go to my website. It's theartistadvisory.com. Well,
0: it was so great chatting with you. I just loved hearing about your whole journey. Like, I'm not going to lie too. I like became a photographer because I wanted a creative field and I was so into art growing up. So it's so cool meeting someone who literally went and made like Working clear.
1: Pardon Yeah. This is like Kismet. Amazing. Oh I just wait, what is your sign? Like, are we <gasps> compatible astrologically? Okay. I'm so into astrology. It's
0: actually not even funny. I need to do an episode on just that. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, my son is Aquarius. Uh-huh. So I know like I know a bunch of mine. So my moon and my Venus is Pisces
1: and my rising is Gemini. Interesting. I, it's Where like a miracle that we get along. Oh. <laughs> Tell me, what are you? <laughs> I am a Sagittarius Sun, right? Okay. I'm a, a Lib, I think a Libra Moon and an Aries Rising.
0: Okay. Would well, you know your Venus too? I like to know the Venus.
1: I have to open up the CoStar app, and my okay. phone's not no here. Um, I have the CoStar app. We should add each other because then we can compatibility. I yeah. started doing friends. So funny. Okay.
0: Oh, talking about astrology now. Um, yeah. Me, your, our moons are compatible though. Oh you really? You're like Libra, right? Yeah. Mine's Pisces. Oh wait, Pisces. No wait, maybe it's not. No, it's not. You're right. It's not. <laughs> yeah, but you know That's- what? I think it's just because it's like that high vibe personality type and like yeah. creative and stuff and. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of Leo friends randomly, so I feel like even though like you know how like air signs are compatible with fellow air signs, water signs, uh-huh. fellow are. I'm just like I don't know. I don't know how it works, but I feel like I'm compatible with a mix of people
1: so <laughs> totally and also there are like different um there's three different sub signs within each sign so like you might be born during like a certain week of Aquarius season that might be compatible with my Sagittarius you know like um because I do you ever notice like you have friends that have the same like birthday or like the birthday their birthday is all in but the same are very week different. Uh, mm-hmm. or yeah maybe they're very different but they all get along with you Oh, like I don't get along with Scorpios unless they're born during a certain week.
0: Interesting. I, and I had and I noticed this happened. because okay. I had
1: a birthday every single day of that week. That,
0: yeah. Ah. so cool to know, huh? hmm I love astrology. We're gonna have another episode. Where we talk about astrology.
1: <laughs> you, t- you totally should. Do you like astrology? I love it. Oh I love God. it so much. I'm So excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well thank you home, so much. This is
0: our little ending of the episode right yeah. <laughs> I mean question on every episode now where I ask someone's like their sign. sign. It's so important. Personality tests? No. Um so I
1: have yeah, my Myers Briggs is an E N uh something J. It's not it's not an F J, it's the other I think it's E interesting I'm an INFP so
0: huh. we're a little bit different and I don't then, even know what that means I really don't. <laughs> okay. do you know your Enneagram no what is okay. that oh it's a, just another one I just know I'm a seven and sevens are really like kind of out there and fun and free spirited and stuff so I don't know but I like okay. to know what others um okay I'm not gonna ask you all of them do you do okay no actually one more do you do human design No, I don't know what that is. Okay, we'll have to talk after this. I'm gonna send you like all these personality test links. Okay, I can't (laughs) wait. This sounds amazing. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. And yeah, everyone go check Marina out, go follow her, go sign up for her mailing list.